So we last we left off last week with um, uh, Israel getting delivered from the bondage of Pharaoh. Remember, that was a picture of us being delivered from the bondage of sin and death that we're born into. And out of all the plagues that God put upon Pharaoh, none of them would work but one. What was the name of the one that worked? Passover. The Passover. And the Passover was uh, based on a, an innocent animal that died in the place of the firstborn in the house. Once again, reinforcing the truth that uh, that's the only way man can be saved from sin and death is through an innocent substitute dying in his place. And all of these, uh, whether it's the Passover in Egypt, whether it's the lamb that died in Isaac's place, whether it's the lamb that died in Abel's place, um, they're all pointing to the Savior to come. And and uh, uh, Pharaoh and Egypt are all pointing to our uh, need to be delivered from our bondage to sin and death. All right, now we've got to get them out of Egypt, don't we? So uh, this finally broke Pharaoh's back. Um, and uh, finally, uh, Pharaoh let them go. Uh, he had no no other option but to let them go. I mean, their their nation was being destroyed, and he lost his firstborn. Now let's look here, if you would, in chapter. Uh, look here in chapter twelve. And let's look toward the end of chapter twelve here. Verse forty-one, Exodus twelve forty-one. One time, to turn there. Yes, sir. Exodus twelve forty-one. We'll be in Exodus for a little while. Not quite as long as Genesis, but we will for a little while. All right, Exodus chapter twelve, verse forty-one. And it came to pass at the end of the four hundred and thirty years. Even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. How about that? They finally got to go. Verse 42, It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. Now, this is fascinating. So, because the Passover got them out of Egypt, God said they're going to keep a Passover every single year uh, to remind them where they came from, how they got out, and who's responsible for getting them out. <laughs> you know, if you forget where you come from, and we're going to learn that again this morning next door, you forget where you come from and how you got to where you are, you're in trouble. You're bound to fall back into the same mess you were in before. And so God says, so every year y'all keep the Passover. In other words, do what you did tonight. Kill a lamb. Not, not to be saved. You're already saved out of Egypt. But to remember, okay? Um, to remember where you came from. It's a memorial, okay? And so... Um, they were to kill a Passover. They were to eat unleavened bread, just like they did that night. 
um, everything was um, was going to be based on their deliverance from Egypt. Now, when we take communion, like we did last week, that's our Passover, so to speak. Okay, we don't take the Passover every year like they did. We're not Jews, and uh, but when when the Savior came, when Jesus came, he took the Passover meal and turned it into the communion and said, take, eat, this is my body. He's, he's, he was showing them, I am the Passover. So now when you eat the bread and you drink the juice, you're not celebrating you coming out of your bondage to Egypt you're now celebrating on account of my death for you, your true Passover lamb, you coming out of bondage to sin and death. It's a beautiful transition. Jesus fulfilled these Old Testament pictures, so now we don't have to do them anymore. Uh, again, it would be all the same, and I, I think, I can't remember if I used it in this class or not, but just to make sure you remember, it's all the same as if you were, uh, you know, riding someone, and uh, uh, you had uh, you had someone you were riding uh, that you were falling in love with, and you had letters going back and forth, and they send you a photo of themselves. You cherish the photo, you cherish the image, but when the person comes, you finally get to meet them. Then the image takes its rightful place, and now the person becomes the one you really love, right? I mean, that the image only pointed you to the person. It never distracts you from the person. If you ever go to worship the image, then you don't understand the, the, the purpose of the image, right? The photograph is to acquaint you with the person and prepare you for his or her coming to meet you. All right? And so now that we have Christ, or now that we have the Savior then He is the person we love. His death is what we celebrate. And, uh, and we appreciate the photos. Uh, but we do not uh, worship them. All right? So let's go ahead and look here now. God tells them, look here in verse 43, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. Now if you'll remember when we took Passover last week, I gave some qualifications. And I said, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and I explained what that meant, then you can take the, you can take the, uh, uh, the communion and you'll be signifying that you've accepted His body broken for you. And, and I explained all of that and His blood He shed for you. But if you haven't, I explained, then just let the plate pass by you and don't take of it. Why? No stranger shall eat thereof, right? If you haven't been redeemed from Egypt, you're, you can't celebrate that redemption. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't been redeemed from your sins, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, then you can't celebrate something you've never accepted, something you don't have. And so, um, no stranger eats thereof. And uh, uh, a lot of people um, will come to church... And they will um, sit in the pew. They will, uh, you know, go to the services. They will do the same motions, go through the same motions as 
people who trust in Christ. But they have never come to that place where they've trusted in Christ. Who in here was in church a significant amount of time, months, years, whatever, before you became a believer in Christ? That's about half the people in the room. And my hand goes up too. So uh, I was a preacher before I became a Christian, before I really understood the gospel. I, it was taught false doctrine, and uh, I was trying to do what I thought was right, and I was just as wrong as I could be. And, uh, but in all of that, I took the communion. I went to the church services. I got baptized. I did all of the things, and I, I was a stranger to them. And so uh, this is what he's showing here. There's no redemption for strangers. Uh, a person has to, uh, to uh, know Christ through um, accepting him as their Savior. All right, so let's go ahead and look here now. God tells them uh, to, eat, to do this ritual every year, verse 48, and when a stranger shall sojourn with you, with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Verse 49, one law shall be to him that is home-born, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. So he says, no stranger can eat thereof. Then he says, well, if a stranger wants to eat, then he has to become one of you. And when he becomes one of you, he'll be just like the person born in the land. He says there'll be one law for both of you. Why did God put this in here? He was making provision, showing us that Gentiles would be able to be treated just like Jews. Gentiles would be able to be redeemed. How can a stranger... Now think about it. All these Jews are partaking of this Passover, celebrating God delivering them from Egypt. And then here comes a Gentile in 50 years later, 100 years later, 500 years later. A, a Gentile family comes into Israel. And when they come into Israel, they want to keep the Passover too. They were never in Egypt. Do you see what God's doing here? He's showing us this Passover thing means a whole lot more than getting delivered out of a city of Egypt or a country of Egypt, a whole lot more than that. The Gentiles will be able to celebrate their deliverance too. Not from Egypt, but from sin and death. Because that's what this is all about. And God is showing us here that it is a picture that the whole world can celebrate. Why? Because God told Abraham, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All right, let's go ahead and look here in chapter 13. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whosoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So anything that was born first, whether the, a cow's firstborn calf, a woman's firstborn uh, uh, son, uh, whoever, whatever was born first, God says that you're going to sanctify them to me. They belong to me. They belong to me. 
Let's see how that works. Verse 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month of Bib. That's now the first day of the Jewish calendar. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of Canaan, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swear unto, the father, unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee. Neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in, in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth, for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among the children shalt thou redeem. Now, let me explain this to you, what we just got through reading. First of all, when you do the Passover, there's going to be several days where you can't have any leaven in your house. Who knows what leaven is? What's leaven? Yeast. Yeast, baking soda, whatever makes the dough rise. The, what makes dough rise is fermentation, basically. So when that fermentation process starts, yeast eating all that, and then the gas comes as a result, and that makes the dough rise, okay? And so what's happening is the bread is breaking down. It's corrupting, okay? Uh, and that bread, remember Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Since Jesus had no corruption in his body, he was sinless, that's why we have unleavened bread to represent him in the Passover as well as in the Lord's Supper. Okay? It's unleavened, unfermented. Unfermented juice, unfermented bread. It represents the Lord Jesus. Okay? Um, the next thing is, uh, he talks about this uh, redemption here, and now we're going to see what redemption is. A woman has a firstborn child. That child now belongs to God. Got to sacrifice that child to God. An animal has a firstborn child. The firstborn sacrifice to God. Every firstborn sacrifice to God. And the reason is, it's a constant reminder. The firstborn male, that is. It's a constant reminder 
to all the people of Egypt of, of Israel, to their sons and their sons' sons, when they say, "Why are we killing this firstborn?" And then that gives the opportunity for the father to say, "Well, here's what's happening." When we were in bondage in Egypt, or when our forefathers were in bondage to Egypt, this is the only way God got us out, was by destroying the firstborn of everyone in the land uh, that uh, did not have the Passover blood on the door. And so God then goes on to say, now if they're your, your, your children, the firstborn of your children, you must redeem the firstborn of your children. So how do you redeem them? Look back, if you would, uh, in uh, verse um, 13. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. Notice, redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children thou shalt thou redeem. So how are they being redeemed? With a lamb. How, were, how was the firstborn redeemed on Passover night? With a lamb. A lamb died in the firstborn's place. That is redemption. We hear about redeem, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by what? The blood of the lamb. This is where this came from. So we hear about redemption, we hear about redeeming. And so redemption simply is one thing belongs to God, but in order to deliver that life, God will accept an innocent substitute in His place. That's it. The child must die unto the Lord because it belongs to God, and God's going to require that child's life. But, he says, you redeem that child's life with a lamb. Why? Because every time they do that, they're going to say, this is what happened to us on Passover. God redeemed all of our firstborn with a lamb. When all the rest of them died, that did not have the redemption. And so, when, when the Bible says in the New Testament, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. And we'll, we'll get into the law later, but while we're looking at the idea of redemption here, what that means is this. The law requires our death. God requires our life because we've all broken His law. But, through redemption, God allows us to give Him an innocent substitute in our place instead. We get redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is death. And a, a lamb can redeem us from that curse. You see how this all points toward the Savior coming. Okay, And so what God's doing in the, in the Old Testament is giving them these living, visual, graphic uh, description of salvation, of how we're saved from sin and death. They live it out. They act it out. They, they witness these uh, vivid, horrific pictures of an innocent lamb dying, shedding its blood 
in uh, in their place and them being redeemed. And so uh, it gives them an opportunity to explain to their children how they can be redeemed as well. Verse 15, It came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, but being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. They said, this is why we do it. Because of what the Lord has done for us. Same thing when we take the, the communion. We are doing this because of what the Lord has done for us. When I was fixing the bread and the juice back here in my study and those young children came in, I thought this is a good opportunity to teach them. This is why we're doing this right here. This is why we put the bread like this. And this is what this is going to represent. All right. Now let's go ahead and look now, if you would, uh, chapter 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before uh, Paharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal, Zephon. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. So here the Lord now takes them. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is the country that they're uh, being delivered from, Egypt. And now here's the Red Sea, and God sends them over to the seashore to a certain spot, and says, you're going to camp right here. Verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. God brought them to a place intentionally where it seemed impassable for them to cross that Red Sea. God brought them to a place where it was absolutely impossible for them to cross the Red Sea. And in doing so, God knew that Pharaoh would say, they're trapped. There's no way they can get out of here. What a fool I was for letting them go. Let's go get them back. Let's go get these slaves back. They still belong to us. You know, when, uh, when a person trusts Christ as their Savior... The devil does the same thing. He tries to make them think he's going to get them back and there's no way they're going to make it to heaven and all these other things. And God will lead us into places in our lives where it seems impossible. It seems like God brought us here and here we are. We're just going to be destroyed by the enemy. But God does that so he can receive honor when he delivers us out of those situations and that we can learn to trust in him based on his word rather than have our faith based on what we see around us, okay, and the circumstances that we're in. Let's go ahead and look now in uh, verse 5. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Boy, we made a big mistake, didn't we? Verse 6. Again, we're in Exodus fourteen six, And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots. It's like tanks back then. And all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand. 
But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pehathroth before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now look what's happening. Here they are. Now God told Moses what to do. God told Moses where to put those people, and God told him why he was going to do it. Moses did what God said. The people look up, and here comes the armies of Pharaoh. That's scary. You can't go this way. You have a sea. It's not like we're soldiers. We've been slaves. It's not like we have weapons to fight with. You know what the Bible says about believers? The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so this battle... This getting them out of Egypt, whose job was that to get them out of Egypt? Theirs or God's? It was all God's. They were there for 430 years. They couldn't get themselves out. And and remember, a multiple of 40 means a perfect trial. Like 40 days and nights of the rain with Noah. We went over this before. Multiples of 40 means a perfect trial. 40 days... Um, is always a perfect trial. So this is 430 years, and God reckons it is 400 in the uh, in the in the prophecy with uh, Abraham. This was a perfect trial. There was no way those people could get themselves out. Only God could do this, and it could only be done with the power of a Passover. Okay, the power of redemption could get them out. That's the only way. The Lamb shedding His blood in their place. Was that lamb shedding its blood in their place enough to get them out of Egypt? That's what we're about to see. The answer is yes. And so here they are, when they see Pharaoh and his army coming, they get scared. The Bible says they were sore afraid. Look here, if you would, in uh, uh, verse 11. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us a way to die in the wilderness? Wherefore, why hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Boy, what a bunch of losers. Here God has brought them out, and now what are they doing? When they see the Egyptians coming, why are they afraid? They're afraid because they, they have their eyes on their enemies and they're comparing their enemies to their own weakness. They're stronger than us. We can't cross the Red Sea. We can't fight and overcome these people. There's no way we can escape this bondage that we're in. We told you this would happen, Moses. We should never listen to you. We should have stayed in bondage. That's unbelief. And... What happens is, we have to remember as believers in Christ that when we trust in Christ as our Savior, we are trusting God to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. Just as they couldn't cross the sea, we can't get out of the grave. Just as they couldn't overcome their enemies in Egypt, we can't overcome our temptations and sins, can we, on our own? 
We just can't. No matter how hard we try, we still find out we're sinners in the end. We still find out we have faults that we can't overcome. And we have a barrier that separates us from God's promise, and that is death. God's promise is eternal life. But there is this barrier that we just can't get across, and that's the grave. The grave takes every one of us. God marches every one of us to the grave, just like He marched the children of Israel to the Red Sea. And He puts a barrier between us and His promise of everlasting life. If we look at the grave the way they looked at the sea, we're going to say, we can't overcome this. Who's going to get me out of that grave? If we look at our sins and our temptations in life that we've struggled with all of our life, we're going to say, we can overcome this. We'll never be good enough to get to heaven. But if we look at God's promise to redeem us through the Lamb that died in our place, then we'll know that it's not up to us to overcome that barrier. It's not up to us to conquer and defeat our enemies of sin and Satan, and all those things in this world. It's up to God. And God can and will do it through the power of the Lamb that died in our place. That's what this is all about. So it all boils down to this. Are we going to sit and fret over the enemies that we face that are stronger than us? Or are we going to stand still in the promise of God and trust Him to bring us across that barrier of the grave and to get us into heaven without sin, to bring us into the promised land. Who fulfills the promise, us or God? God does. God does. That's what this is all about. In every one of us that trusts in Christ as our Savior will face moments like this at the Red Sea. And we're just going to. We're going to face moments where the devil's going to say, you can't get away from me. It's going to happen. Yeah. And that's when we have to do what Moses said. Look here now. Verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Whose salvation? Our salvation? No. We can't save ourselves. This is the salvation of the Lord. He said, don't be afraid. So... God put them in a position where He knew that in their flesh they would be afraid. So He could teach them that no matter how bad things look for you, don't be afraid. Because the salvation of the Lord will come through for you. The redemption of the, of the Lamb that died in your place will get you out on the other side. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you, the, to, to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. Look at that. The Lord. The Lord. This is all God. Remember, Abraham was asleep when God walked through those pieces. This is all God's doing. He said, And ye shall hold your peace. Trust the Lord to fight it. Verse 15, The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the people of Israel that they go forward. In other words, go ahead. Walk across the Red Sea. Go across that grave. Overcome death. Verse 16, But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. This is not a fairy tale. 
Just like Noah and his ark, this is all history. God says, Moses, you take your rod and you lift it up. The people need to know that salvation is coming from me. Moses was God's representative. He represented the coming Savior. Remember, he was a picture of the coming Savior. And so here's a picture of the coming Savior with all these people here. There's no way they can pass, but the coming Savior holds up the rod, which is the, uh, the agency of the promise God made them. He holds it up, and God divides that sea in two. And they walk across that sea on dry ground. How many of y'all know, um, y'all have seen the movie um, Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's most of the people in here. I knew the man that, uh, uh, that that movie was made after. His office was next to mine in Arlington. And uh, Indiana Jones, I knew Mr. Jones. They didn't. He didn't go by Indiana, but... Uh, uh, Vestal Jones, I'm trying to remember his first name. But anyway, Mr. Jones' office was right next door to mine. And I was in his office. I met with him. He invited me to go on an archaeological dig with him, which I wish I would have gone to. I thought that, I think that would have been nice. But he gave me a video to watch of when he uh, explored the area that he uh, believed he found where the, um, the Jews crossed coming out of Egypt. It was absolutely fascinating. Uh, he took cameras. They went uh, under the ocean there, under the sea there, rather. And where they believe they crossed, there were actual chariot wheels, oh, wow. the metal. I saw the pictures of them, uh, the video of them, still there uh, in that same area. And absolutely, huh? Under the sea? Yes, on the floor. They uncovered them. Yes, absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah, is very. I didn't know Indiana Jones was actually a movie about a real person. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's passed away now, but yeah, he was in Arlington, right, right next to my office, and uh, pretty neat guy. What was not a Christian? He, he was not a Christian, but he 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 was more like um, following the Old Testament, you know, uh, still under the law and all that stuff. He he wasn't a Christian. But uh, he was uh, real big on Bible history and archaeology. And uh, very fascinating. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and look here. Um, verse 27, And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea... I'm sorry. Uh, verse 23, And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them. So they start crossing the sea. The Egyptians decide to go in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots. See, the chariot wheels were in there, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. That sea closed in on them like that, drowned those Egyptians, drowned the horses, put their chariots stuck there in that mud, and their wheels 
and uh, and uh, you know they were metal back then. A lot of them they had metal platings, and uh, and so the next morning they get up and there's all their enemies dead at the sea. And when we look to the tomb where Jesus was buried, when Jesus came out of that tomb, you know what he was doing? He was bringing us across the Red Sea. See how that works? This is what this is a picture of. He was bringing us across the Red Sea and leaving all of our enemies there in the grave. They can't pursue past that tomb. This can't. And so that is the incredible power of our Passover lamb. All right, with that, uh, it's almost time to stop. In fact, it's probably a good place for us to stop. So now, Israel is out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. That brings them now to the Sinai Desert, which is close to the mountain where God promised that He would bring Moses back to. Remember, He said, you and all of Israel, whenever He told Moses to go bring His people out, He said, you'll meet me back here at this mountain. And so now, God's going to bring them back to this mountain, just like He promised Moses. And when He brings them back to that mountain, God is going to give them His law, His Ten Commandments. We're going to learn about that, Lord willing, next week. And uh, we'll see you then. And hopefully see you guys next door.